Podcasting from the JNK Twin Studios. This is the show for Reds fans, by Reds fans. Each week, we take a look at the games, the players, and the stories of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Now, your hosts, Scott Evans and Nick Lawson. And welcome to another edition of the Reds Fans Chatter Podcast. I'm Scott Evans. He is Nick Lawson. And uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Uh, however you are listening to us, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, Amazon, uh, we are everywhere. So uh, what's going on, Nick? How are you? My computer's working this time. It's about time. Absolutely. So uh, Reds are in spring training. Uh, games have started. They've looked pretty good so far. Uh, and you know, like, like we said, we are optimistic. We, we get flack about it, but, uh, just like the Bengals, uh, when it, when it gets later in the season, if the Reds are still performing like this, uh, th- there's plenty of room on the bandwagon. Yeah. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, come aboard. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> we don't want them. <laughs> no, just kidding. Anyway. Uh, talk about a mess of a front office. We won't, we won't get into the football talk, but wow. It's better than the Reds front office right now. No, no, not close. They had to send out three statements on a player. They signed because of his off field activity and yeah, no, the the Reds front office. I I'm, I I think people are going to be changing their tune. Uh, at least that's what we hope uh, come October. So, <laughs> But I, I will say this. If, if for some reason, and this is going a little bit off topic of what we're going to talk about tonight, but hey, that's what we do on the show. If for, if uh, the Reds are performing the way that I feel they can, that you feel they can, and it's close to the all-star break, uh, they better make moves to improve whatever weakness the team has uh, in reality. Uh, right now I'd say it's the bullpen, but you know, it's way too early to really know what, where the weakness is going to be. If you look back at some of the other teams, like the 1990 team, uh, the the idea was that third base, second base and catcher were going to be the weaknesses of that 1990 team. Of course, Chris Sabo hit 25 home runs that year. Uh, so he was definitely not the weakness. So you can't go by what's on paper, but uh, I mean, right now I would say the bullpen is probably the weakest spot of the uh, of the Reds uh, team. Yeah, hopefully the signing of Hunter Strickland helps. Right. Yeah, the Reds didn't make that move since our last show. I, I like the move. Uh, if he does get to the playoffs, though, he does hold the record for the most home runs given up uh, in a career in the postseason. Of course, that means he's been in the postseason a lot, so we'll take that as a good sign. I like good signs. So, you know, and I, I've taken some flack for this, but a lot of stuff in the uh, media this week about uh, things that former Reds players have said. Uh, some didn't make the media that uh, I think you have a copy of, uh, namely from Zach Cozart. Uh, but yeah, it's almost like Reds fans are like an ex-girlfriend uh, that sees you say something new about the new your new girl and thinks it's all about her. That's kind of the feeling I get uh, with some of the reactions uh, from statements from uh, Nick Castellanos, even Jock Peterson, as weird as that is. Yeah, I mean, 
if you look if you look at that video and watch an interview, everybody else sits back and goes, Well, he's dissing the Reds of front office. Maybe, maybe not. No. So uh let's start with the one that I think clearly was. And that, that's Wade Miley. Uh, his comments were along the lines that uh, that they kind of have a pattern there, uh, talking about the Reds, uh, where the core group in 2013 and 2014 departed, and the Reds kind of try, and uh, then they stop. Now, Wade Miley, <laughs> he was fired. I, I know the baseball term is waived, but, you know, he, he was fired. He lost his job. It, it wasn't even a transfer. Uh, he was basically told, yeah, we don't need you, and we don't even think we can get anything for you. So uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> out of all the moves that the Reds made, that is probably the stupidest. Uh, you know, I know he struggled towards the end last year a little bit. Uh, he also... Uh, I think was dealing with some injuries and he, and he is uh, getting up there in age, but he led the team in wins above replacement last year. And if they would have just uh, picked up the option instead of waving him or, or whatever they had to do, uh, it's been, it was pre uh, lockout. So <laughs> I, I don't know if they are rushing to get something done before the lockout because they are afraid they're going to be stuck with the uh, salary. Uh, but I, I think had they kept the, uh, contract they probably could have moved him for at least a low level prospect to take up a roster space or something uh if they if they did want to move him um in this offseason which obviously they did but uh they chose just to let him go i do have some breaking reds news if i may uh, according to Bobby Nightingale, the Reds are in agreement with free agent outfitter Tommy Pham on a one-year deal. Wow. Deal is a pending physical that just came across the Twitter machine. You, you know, I, I kind of, this is kind of where I'm torn because I was kind of looking forward to like a lot of the young guys coming up, getting their chance. But uh, I really like Tommy Pham. <laughs> yeah. Is he, be, he was a jerk when he played us, but now we want him. He's, oh, he's absolutely. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, but unfortunately, Shogo is still not showing anything uh, in spring training. I, I know uh, Bell says he doesn't really have to, but he has to. Uh, I really like what I've seen from TJ Friedel in limited time last year and limited time so far in spring training, but you get a veteran outfielder. Uh, I think you have to go for it. I, I think the pressure is going to be on either Shogo uh, getting traded, though, uh, you know, his baseball value is very low right now. Yep. I, I, it's too I, I'm really surprised, and, and maybe the Reds still see some value uh, in his glove, but I, I'm surprised they didn't try to move him in the uh, Jesse Winker Suarez deal uh, just because. Uh, uh, I, I know Seattle has a, a good connection with Japan, Japanese players, uh, and uh, maybe a change of scenery. I, I think Ichiro is still in the organization there. Yeah, I think he's in the front office. So, uh, you know, Ichiro working with uh, Shogo, probably, I'm sure Shogo would, without knowing Shogo at all, but I'm, I'm sure he would uh, love to uh, pick Ichiro's brain. 
Ichiro would be a guy I would want to learn from. If uh, and, you know, they, they also have King Griffey Jr. in the front office there as well. So you, you got two guys. One's a Hall of Famer. One's a future Hall of Famer. Why pick their brains? Oh, absolutely. Every chance you, every chance you can. Absolutely. Uh, but this isn't the Seattle Ma- uh, Mariners uh, chat. This is the Reds chat. So, uh, but wow, that, that is some breaking news. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not Nick Castellanos for four years, $64 million like the Reds offered him. Of course, he went to the Phillies for five years, $100 million. He'll be 35 years old when that contract is up. Uh, you know, kind of a high risk uh, move by the Phillies. Uh, Phillies owner did say that Nick Castellanos was the only player that he would uh, go over the luxury tax level for. Which you know, there's two things with that. One, it's a great compliment for uh, for Nick. He he absolutely earned it last year. If you look at his stats in the uh, Phillies ballpark, I'm not sure what they call it anymore. <laughs> if it's still Citizens Bank or something else, but. Uh, his stats there are better than they were at Great American Ballpark, and his his stats at Great American Ballpark were excellent. So, uh, best of luck to Nick, except when you're playing the Reds. Yeah, we'll see him in August. <laughs> Absolutely, and then, um, but uh, so he was asked by the Philadelphia media, talking to Philadelphia fans. This is kind of where we're go- getting into tonight. Or, or this episode, I forget. Some people will be listening to this. Uh, you're probably listening to this at like six in the morning. You're like, what are you talking about tonight? We're recording this at night. So, uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, was, uh, asked by a Philadelphia reporter about, uh, the, um, about the owner's comments that, uh, you know, he was the only player, uh, that he would go over the uh, luxury tax and Castiano says this. And and part of this was clipped off. He says, that's a lot of respect talking about the Phillies owner. At the end of the day, baseball comes down to ownership. The owner either wants to invest and cares about winning or doesn't. So it speaks a lot to who he is. So Philadelphia, and this is the other part that got cut off in the uh, Cincinnati media. So Philadelphia should be pumped that 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 guy is behind the Phillies. Now, if you go into a lot of the context before, you know how everybody's saying, sell the team, Bob, you never spend any money. They were saying the same thing about John Middleton until uh, this year when he decided to, uh, to spend money in Philadelphia. They actually have the longest. I think this is right. It seems like Miami should be in there, but maybe that maybe not. I think I read that they have the longest, uh, playoff drought in the national league yeah that's true since uh 2011 so 10 years of not even making the playoffs i know the reds have the uh since 95 from advancing in the in the postseason but uh the the phillies not even making it with you know 100 million dollars more revenue than the reds uh so, you know, they went young for a, a long time and, and trying the route that the Reds seem to be back in. So who knows what's going to happen in baseball? COVID screwed up a lot of things. But I, I don't see how you can take that comment and say that Nick Castellanos was taking a shot at uh, Bob Castellini. There's one thing about Nick Castellanos, and this is one of the reasons why Reds fans, I think, love him so much, is he didn't pull any punches. He was not the subtle type of guy. He came out and pretty much said it. <laughs> If if he had a beef with someone, I mean, look at look what he did with Rob Manfred in the fan. 
That was great. That was great. It wasn't it wasn't something that you had to read between the lines. He came out and he came out and basically said it. So I don't think I think if he was going to complain uh, about uh, not coming back to the Reds, I don't think he would do it because it, it would it would overall be in bad form. But if he was, he would have done so to uh, see Trent Rosecrans or uh, Bobby Nightingale or uh, one of the other Cincinnati media talking to Cincinnati fans. Philly fans, they don't want you to be hung up on your last team. They Philly fans are brutal. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, they booed oh, Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think, I don't think uh, Nick may feel that way. He may have wanted to come back here. I know his family loved it. Uh, in Cincinnati, fans were great to his family. He was great to the fans. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a new chapter. Uh, basically, he get, he like where uh, Wade Miley got fired. Um, uh, you know, he found a better job. Unfortunately, he's with the Cubs. Oh yeah, Wade Miley is. And I was talking about uh, Nick Castellanos found a better found a better job. So I, I don't see where he would be the disgruntled type or upset about not getting a deal done because one, uh, the Reds offered him the qualifying offer. Of course, he was going to turn that down, and he opted out to, to find to find more money, whether it's in Cincinnati or someplace else. And and I and you know Philadelphia makes sense. It's still close to. Uh, home so he could be around his son i know that was important to him and uh but yeah i, I was kind of surprised he only got 20 million dollars a year but he, he got that 100 million dollars and he's gonna be set not, well, not i think i think we could have afforded 100 million for him i think so but i, I think also the reds are looking at uh what what it's going to take to keep jonathan india long term if uh he doesn't have a sophomore slump uh, you know, they have some other questions long-term. So, and do you want a 35 year old, um, outfielder, uh, making $20 million a year? That was the other question. And, you know, I know people say Joey Votto, Joey Votto is a different player than Nick Castellanos, uh, complete respect to Nick, but, uh, Joey Votto is a future hall of famer. Castellanos has had eh, basically one and a half really good seasons. Joey, Joey's a red for life. He's a red for life, and, and he's going to be in Cooperstown. Nick Castellanos, I hope he does. He would have to have another six, seven years like he had last year, I think, uh, to reach that level or even be in the to, conversation. He would have to turn into Mike Schmidt real fast. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and unfortunately, and this is one of the complaints of the players, very few guys uh, get to play into their, into their late 30s anymore. It's all... All about the young guys, so uh, which is one of the reasons why Nick Castellanos wanted the uh, the opt out because if he stuck with the Reds till thirty two, there may not be teams willing in the regard. Even if he hit three fifty the next two, this year, next year for the Reds, if he had stayed, uh, getting that huge contract at age thirty two, uh, probably not going to happen. No. No, guys, it's like football. Football players get in their thirties; their value drops. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't used to be that way, but that that's the way it is now. Unfortunately, Nick uh, is not going to be part of the Reds uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, you never know what could happen. 
Yeah, he could get traded to us. You never know. Right. It's probably not going to happen, but, you know, you never know what could happen in the future, but uh, best of luck to Nick. Uh, and then that brings us to another former red. And I think you have the quote, uh, I'll, I'll give you a second to look it up from, uh, Zach Kozar kind of talking about the Nick Castellanos, uh, um, comments where he, basically he s- said, I said the same thing, uh, when I signed with the angels and I got blasted for it. Uh, he seems to be very bitter about leaving the reds. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Reds fans want him to stay. The donkey story was awesome. Love Zach Cozart, the person, uh, when he was here. But after he left uh, due to injury or, or whatever, uh, he hit 190 for the, uh, for the Angels in the uh, couple of years he was there. So, I mean, if the Reds would have kept him, uh, it would have not helped the team. No, no, it wouldn't have. And, and the thing is – he was a good player here, but then he went to he went to, to Anaheim, got hurt, but he couldn't hit. Even when he wasn't hurt, he couldn't hit. He couldn't figure it out. Right, like I said, he had, he had one good year here. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But I, I don't understand the bitterness now. Uh, so I mean, maybe there's some things we don't know uh, that some of the people are insinuating are actually true. Uh, about the Reds front office, I don't think so. I, I know some people at the lower levels uh, in the Reds organization, and uh, I, I don't think every I don't think it's right to be completely negative. I don't think you know. For example, I'm I'm com- I'm uh, completely critical of the Wade Miley move. It, it doesn't make sense. I know Nick Kroll tried to explain it before then. The only thing that kind of made sense was they wanted to get it away or get it done before the uh, collective bargaining agreement was uh, up. Uh, but in hindsight, that doesn't make sense. So that was a bad move. Get something yeah. for him. And, you yeah, know, I, I agree. not only that, uh, you could have controlled where he went so he's not pitching against you uh, 19 games a year. This be true, uh, or you know, or not nineteen games, but you know, multiple ser- multiple series in the year, he's going to be uh, potentially facing the Reds with with yeah. a chip with a chip on his shoulder. I I can't find it. The hell with it. I can't find it. Yeah, but yeah. He mentioned something in an Instagram post. He said he kind of told us about the front office, some kind of quote like that. Right now, from the completely opposite end of things. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, and now uh, it's not loading, but uh, Michael Lorenzen talked to uh, the Enquirer. Uh, it was published today, uh, Tuesday, uh, March 23rd, uh, when we're recording this. Uh, 2022, in case you're listening to this, like in 2025 for some weird reason. Are we got a time machine somewhere I don't know about? <laughs> oh. Oh, everything we say lives forever. That's why I watch my P's and Q's. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he was asked, and uh, Michael said they, uh, being the Reds, did reach out, which was nice of them, but I wanted to come home. He's he's uh, from the West Coast. Uh, he grew up an Angels fan, and he said, I watched them win a World Series when I was about 10 years old. Being able to live in my home, at my house in Newport, my nieces and nephew are getting big, so I wanted to be able to come home. I'm really excited. So, uh, one, 
Uh, the Reds did offer him a contract. And uh, so, you know, nothing negative here. I'm surprised this has not been turned negative somehow, but, uh, you know, completely positive about the Reds, the Reds front office. Um, he also uh, talked about how great Derek Johnson was. Uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, last week uh, he didn't want to, he didn't play, or not last week, last season, uh, things didn't play out the way he wanted, but he enjoyed the organizational shift under uh, both David Bell and Derek Johnson uh, with the more analytics uh, became readily available to players, uh, which was something he always craved. So evidently under, uh, under Brian Price, I know they preached analytics back then, uh, but evidently that, that they used analytics somehow, but did not uh, get the message to the people that really needed to know it the most, which is the players. Yeah, I think they used maybe part of it and they were maybe experimenting with it. And then before you fully used it, now it, it kind of works, I guess. I, yeah, don't know. I guess it seems like it didn't get communicated to the players, which I don't understand yeah. that. You spent part of the rebuild was uh, spending uh, tens of millions of dollars to build up the analytics department, uh, but you're not going to give the information to the guys that actually have to go out there and perform. Uh, I mean, that was Dick Williams, uh, but uh, you know, Nick crawl was still in the organization then too. So uh, I, I don't, maybe he gave it to Brian price and Brian price is like, uh, screw it. I don't care. Could have been. He was an awful manager. Yeah. So anyway, Lorenzen said when I started there, uh, that was not the case, right? Uh, when DJ came in, they started giving us all the right information and promoted the environment of, we're here to get better every day. Whatever questions you have, come to us. This is Derek Johnson to the pitchers. Uh, we have the information for you. We want to teach you how to use the information. And then uh, Michael's like, that's why we went from like bottom five in baseball pitching to top five in a year. Uh, he went on to say, we created an environment of showing up and learning. I know the position players probably got sick of us constantly in the dugout talking about spin rate and grips and stuff like that, but we created the culture within this pitching staff uh, over there and saw a major difference pretty instantly. So, uh, you know, I, I know some people were upset that Kyle Bodie uh, left the organization, but uh, Derek Johnson yeah, that's one guy they do not need to let go. Uh, the guy's done wonders for this pitching staff. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I know Brian Price got a lot of credit when he was uh, on Dusty's uh, organ Dusty's uh, coaching staff with how he worked with the pitchers. But uh, Derek Johnson is probably the best one, uh, best pitching staff uh, coach probably in the last twenty years. He's got to be one of the probably the best. I've seen in a long time, like you said, like 20 years. So, but he, he does wonders with, with turning guys around and having their issues and he just makes them just find the path and they do a good job after listening to him. Just right. listen to your, just listen to the pitching coach. And, uh, Lorenzen says this about uh, the guy that we beat up on a lot. David Bell, uh, David Bell was fantastic to play for. He always had his players back. I learned a lot from him actually watching how he just always had, uh, his guys back. That was impressive to see because I've never really played for a manager that was like that. That might be kind of a shot at uh, Brian Price. Uh, yeah. But, you, you know, Brian Price once got thrown out of the game and no one on the bench knew it. 
Well, Michael Lorenzen's going to, he's going to go from David Bell to Joe, was it Joe Madden? Right. Joe Madden's a different type of beast when it comes to being a manager. Right. But, you know, th- uh, that's pretty cool about David Bell. And, and, you know, you see David Bell uh, actually stick up uh, for his guys. And, and you know, he's been ejected a lot. But almost every time it's because he was going in there between the player and the umpire trying to protect the uh, the player from getting thrown out. And that's what you want in a manager. You know, there's not as many arguments anymore because of instant replay, but uh, when there are things where players get heated, you, you don't want your managers waiting to see what happens and waiting for him to get thrown out. You want him out there either hopefully before the player gets thrown out, which is oftentimes difficult, uh, but you want to get get things calmed down. And uh, that is one thing about David Bell. I remember uh, one time David Bell, after benching uh, Joey Votto uh, in the COVID season, you know, Vada was one of the first guys out of the dugout to defend David Bell, uh, either getting thrown out uh, by an umpire or uh, or maybe the other. T- I can't remember. Maybe against the Cubs. I, I don't remember the situation, but I remember he came out when he was one of the first players out to uh, to uh, protect David. So um, there's a lot of things that David Bell does that drives us crazy that might actually be coming from Nick Crawl, uh, since uh, th- it's come out that a lot of front offices now. Uh, the general manager is the one that's giving the the manager the uh, lineup card. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Joey Votto. Joey Votto's a stand up player. For any man, any manager that's ever managed right, him, right, right, will tell you that he's a stand up player. Oh, absolutely. But but the the point is, David Bell's probably a better manager than we give him credit for. Uh, he just needs some wins to get over that five hundred mark. And uh, this year it's going to be a challenge because uh, it's a different team. It's going to be a little bit younger, but also a little bit older as they sign guys like Tommy Fan. So it's going to be an inter- like, like I said, I, I predicted over 90 wins on our last episode. I, I want to reserve that in, until I see what the 26-man roster looks like. I, I know I talked about not bringing in uh, retreads, but the, the veteran players that they've given the uh, guaranteed – Major league contracts too, so far are not really retread. They're they're guys that still have stuff going for them. Uh, uh, the guy from San Francisco, I've got to learn their names. <laughs> um, I want to say Solaire, but it's, I think it's Solano. Yeah, Solano. Yeah, I mean he's a very good pickup, a uh, veteran player. Uh, definitely not somebody. I mean he almost felt, fits in kind of like the going back to the 2010 team where they signed uh, Cairo. He's he's almost that kind of player. Yeah, he's a, he's a very solid player. Tommy Fan, Fan Solano can hit. He, he played the other day, and he, he you can flat out hit. He can hit. He has a little bit of leadership. He's been on World Series teams. Uh, you got Hunter Strickland coming in. Uh, now you got Tommy Fan. Uh, I mean, I I kind of like the makeup of the team. I think it's going to be a good mix of young players with veterans that aren't just trying to hold on to their career, but still have something left in the tank. I mean, as long as Zach Godley ain't around, I'd be happy. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is and hopefully <laughs> never does. If you're watching tonight's game, we get the Brewers. We're recording this. I'm watching it. Zach Godley pitched and he's awful. For the record, he sucks. Okay, <laughs> but uh, bottom line, I, I think we need to quit uh, reading things in. Oh, the other thing was Jock Peterson come out came out today with a tweet uh, showing the 
top three teams in payroll with the bottom three teams in payroll. Uh, the Reds are not in the bottom three. Uh, they are in the bottom ten. Uh, there's like nine, eight or nine teams below them. I think the Reds are ranked 21st in payroll right now. Uh, but uh, he is specifically talking about the Pirates, the Guardians, and the Orioles, all of who are under $40 million in payroll. See, I saw one. It was a list from Jeff Passan. Yeah, that that was Matt. That basically that was, for example, uh, if the it's really weird the way he did it. So, for example, the for uh, Philadelphia, the uh, contract that they gave to uh, Nick Castellanos that's a hundred million dollars. So instead of just saying it's twenty million dollars per year, he 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 gave their total spending over five years. That's that's why the. Uh, that's why the Rangers were up there with like five hundred and eighty million. Their payroll is not five hundred and eighty million dollars. That's spread out over like ten years. So I, also, I see how Oakland's at zero. Yeah, they they, no they, they they've spent no money on free agents. The Reds have spent they spent more now, so they'll probably be move up that list. But no, the bottom three teams in payroll are the Orioles, uh, the Guardians, and uh, I said it earlier. Now I forgot. Oh, the Pirates. Bazan's list, Bazan's list, list has Brewers, Orioles, Reds, Guardians, and A's. Yeah, his, his list is garbage. Bazan's, he's trying to make a point for the players. Uh, but, uh, no, as far as actual payroll for 2022, it's uh, the uh, Orioles have a $30 million payroll. Uh, the Pirates, I think, have 38, and the Guardians are 34 or vice versa. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, Reds are about ninety-two million before uh, signing Tommy Pham, so, and I think I read that they're they're going to be about ninety-eight, so they're probably going to be oh they're going to be over a hundred million dollars. The Reds will by by the by uh, opening day. Not bad. I mean, they were one hundred twenty-two million last year, so it's still a cut in payroll. But I, I like the team. I, I think uh, depending on lineup construction, uh, this team could be more athletic. And better hitters than last year, even losing uh, Castellanos. I'm looking up fans when he's getting paid by the Red. They can't seem to find it. They yeah, it probably won't probably won't be released yet. But uh, but anyway, you know it's 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 going to be at least a couple million. Yeah, it's a one year contract. He has an option for next year. Oh, okay. So you know, Red spending some, Reds are spending some money. Not a lot, uh, leaving a lot of flexibility, which I like, uh, especially for 2023 and uh, even more so for 2024 when a lot of uh, money comes off the books, potentially Votto if they don't pick up the option. Uh, I think uh, Moustakas comes off in 2024. And after that, and then everything else is just the young guys that uh, the ones that perform will hopefully be here long term. Uh, The ones that won't hopefully uh, can move on uh, to other things, whether it be another team or something outside of baseball. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, I, I think, uh, people just are reading too much into everything. Uh, I understand the anger I had it back in 2016 with the original, um, rebuild we'll call it. And, uh, a little bit in 2003 as well, but that 2003 team was awful. <laughs> Uh, when don't they, remind me! Don't remind me of that team, man. Oh yeah, it, it was bad. Uh, but uh, you know, this team, I, I think, if they stay healthy and uh, and perform, 
Uh, I, I think they can win 90 games, uh, especially in the NL Central, where it's it's really anybody's uh, anybody's division except for the Pirates. I think adding Tommy Pham adds a little bit to it. I'm, I'm going to stick with 88. I, I said that when we were talking about it. Right. I'm going to stick with 88, maybe 90. Uh, I, we'll I mean, see. We'll, we'll see where the injuries are and, and what the, uh, I guess now 28 uh, men will start the season. And then we'll go over all the new rules and stuff for uh, this season as well on uh, on a future episode as we get closer to the beginning of the season and opening day. The beginning of the season is what I'm going to call April 7th. Opening day is April 12th. So hopefully Reds are undefeated on opening day. I mean, opening against the World Series champions, uh, hey, I think it'll be fun. Right. It, it, sh- mean, it Tyler, should be. Tyler Malley, Tyler Malley will open opening day. It will be the Reds' opening day. And, and that's a completely different Braves team than what won yeah. the World Series last year. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman is, is now a Dodger. That's a big hit on them. Yeah, they've lost some other key players too. So right. it, it's going to be a fun season of baseball. We're having baseball I'm going to stay positive as long as, at least until the Reds go on a losing streak, and then I might start throwing things. Hey, I'm pumped. There's baseball. I mean, we, we think about a, a month ago, there was going to be no baseball. Right, and, and you know the the Reds are, they just need to communicate better. <laughs> That's all I can say. You, you you let Lance McAllister and social media control the narrative, and you're going to get the sell your sell the team, Bob as the main thing out of all this versus, you know, talking about a great season from Jonathan India, uh, pumping up the debut of Hunter green. I mean, there's so many ways the reds could market this instead of talking about payroll. They, they should talk about the young players. They should talk about, uh, the guys that they have signed and, and try to get people pumped up about that. Instead, they're like, we got to realign our payroll. Well, that tells me you just want to lose. So I understand why people are upset. I, I just I think reality doesn't match what the Reds are saying, and definitely doesn't match uh, social media. No, and, and we we were saying what was it, a couple of years ago, we got all these free agents we brought in, and we had all these young talent, and down there they're not getting to play, and now they're getting a chance to make the team. We should be excited about that. A- absolutely. So. Yeah, you know, hopefully uh, things work out. I I think I feel like this is a better the play, the young players that we have potentially coming up and starting this season with the Reds organization are better, way better than the team we had in 2016, 2017 uh during the last Reds rebuild and Brian Price is gone. So I there I don't see any way outside of just a complete collapse of this team losing a hundred games, uh, even when those teams didn't lose a hundred games. I mean, if, if, if people really want to look at our, the Reds pipeline, there's a top 10 prospect list. The Reds Facebook page put out today. Check that out. Right. So anyway, that kind of wraps up this show. Don't read into everything. No, no. Listen to us. We're, we bring you the facts. Right. <laughs> or, or at least an optimistic, uh, analysis of things where we can, and you know, we'll, We'll we'll be negative where it's warranted, uh, like the pitcher that I've already forgot his name. Yeah, I don't know who he is. <laughs> and you know, we'll we'll uh, when the season gets started, we'll, we'll uh, we won't hold back on Nick Crawl or uh, I still want to call him Brian Price. It's, it's not. It's uh, David Bell. 
You're insulting David Bell every time you say. Bell yeah, Bell. I know. Even after <laughs> even after reading what uh, Michael Lorenzen said, so I really should be nicer to David Bell. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> hopefully the Reds uh, do better. Uh, that's all. That's all we can do is hope, and that and that's supposed to be what uh, the beginning of a baseball season is about. Is is hope? The Reds are not the Pirates. They're not no. the Guardians. They're not the Orioles. They're not the Dodgers. They're not it's the. Gonna ta- it's it's going to take some getting used to calling the Cleveland the Guardians too. By the way. Yeah, I know my app. Bad app. I guess it's because I haven't updated it. It still refers to them as the Indians. It's just weird. You go back and watch the Major League movie, and they still call them the Indians. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird now. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, hopefully, just try to stay calm. Uh, the Reds. Uh, I think just watching these early spring training games, if it translates into the regular season, uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. They may not; they may still lose a hundred games, but I, th- I think they're going to be fun watching it happen. Yeah, it, it's fun watching young kids who are going to be future stars uh, mature into the game. That's what's why they play it. So give it time. All right. Until then, go Reds. Go Reds.